Hey everybody and welcome back to the newest edition of the Swoop Radio Station here. It's your boy Josh Sanchez and it's that time of the week. Hey guys, Friday mornings with Josh Sanchez. I hope you guys have been quarantining it up and figuring out something to do because I don't know about you guys, I have started One Piece. I know I have not watched that in a long time, but I've been binging some shows And life without sports, it has been very brutal for me. As you guys know, I'm a big sports junkie. Um, I'm literally watching the Tiger Woods 1997 first Masters win as we speak, as I'm recording this podcast. So that shows you where I've been in the right, trying to find the right headspace and all that stuff. But before I get started with today's podcast, I want to wish you guys, hopefully everyone is safe. And everyone is doing well during the quarantine. And if you guys have any questions or need someone to talk to, by all means, hit up Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez. I'll pop right up. Uh, just email me at the Sanchez at uh, 515 at gmail.com. And I'll answer all questions and concerns you guys have because I understand, again, this is a very tough time. It's a very tough time period right now. Um, over millions of people are losing their jobs every single day and the numbers are going to continue to increase as the number of cases for the for the virus continues to uh, increase so hopefully we'll get through this and we'll all hopefully by summertime we'll all be okay and we'll look at this as a distant memory but Now let's get on with Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez because I have a couple of great topics to talk to you guys out to talk to you guys today about. Um, Starting with a whole baseball segment, this is going to be one of my big segments of the day. I'm going to get into some baseball talk, and then I'm also going to get into um, some NBA talk. Because last last podcast, I ran some polls for you guys for the NBA. And a lot of people said that James Harden had a better decade than Dwayne Wade. And a lot of people said Stephen Curry had a better 2010s decade than Kevin Durant, which I found hard to believe because Kevin Durant won the finals MVPs, whereas Curry did not. But again, a lot of people are haters on Kevin Durant for his move from OKC to the Golden State Warriors. But anyway, for the first topic of today's podcast, I'm going to get into the big question. What is the toughest position to play in baseball? And obviously, for those who do not know baseball, I'm going to run down all the positions that I'm that I'm qualifying. Uh, the question is not what is the most important p- position in baseball, and that obviously, like the most impactful position in baseball, is a pitcher. If you have a pitcher that's that is rolling, you can win any you can win any game obviously, but we are going to disqualify pitcher in this question because obviously the the start the pitcher is the most impactful position to play in baseball. Just like a goaltender in hockey. If they're hot, they can carry you. Just just ask Madison Bumgarner and the San Francisco Giants. Literally, their first went ring, they had Tim Lincecum and they had those bad boys, Matt Cain and and all the and Bumgarner when he was younger. And then Bumgarner literally carried them when they over over a World Series victory in 2014 to the Kansas City Royals. And then they also defeated the Mets as well. So no, no, the Royals defeated the Mets. I apologize for that, guys. My bad, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But 
what is the hardest position to play in baseball? And according to baseballprospects.com or prospectus.com, US, they said based off of the old defensive spectrum, catchers are has the fewest amount of players that play in the position in in and pretty much any team. When you think about a team, there's usually about one or two, maybe if that, two catchers on a team. The catcher, in my opinion, is the toughest position to play in baseball because you got to think about it. You got to call the game. You got to be able to call pitches and communicate with the pitcher. Defensively, you can't have five or six catchers. You just can't or else your pitching staff is going to be jacked up and there's going to be no communication and you're going to have one of the worst pitching staffs in the league. So... In my opinion, the catcher is the toughest position to play in baseball. I mean, that's not a knock on second base, shortstop. I used to play a mean second base back in the day when I was playing baseball. I played baseball up until I was 18 years old. And second base, if you have a strong middle infield, your team is set. Because if you have a strong middle infield, nothing's going to get passed. And there's going to be great communication throughout the whole infield. Nine times out of out of ten, the most of the balls that are hit are ground balls that are going to go to the infield. So having your middle infield, second baseman, and shortstop, cutoff drills, being able to communicate, hey, who, who, when they steal second base, who do you got? Who got who? Backing up the first baseman, helping out the outfielders, communicating, directing things. Middle infield, I I, used, I played it. I I I used, I used to play, but no position is is tougher than catcher. You have to block the balls. You have to be able to wear equipment. You're going to get drilled by pitches every day. You have to catch the balls at 90 miles an hour. You have to be able to read and react to curveballs, sliders, change-ups, everything. And then to top it off, you have to actually hit and play the game. And you actually have to throw runners out. And you actually have to, you actually have to be the captain of the team. Because you can see the whole field. So if you, you can see a ball going deep into right field and and if the middle infielders are not communicating, you can communicate, hey, cut four, cut four, cut three, cut two. Pretty much whatever cut, cut the base number thing of it is cut two, second base, cut three, third base, cut four, home plate. So the catcher, in my opinion, is the toughest position to play in baseball because you can't you don't only have to be physically in shape. You have to be mentally in shape as well. And that's what, again, if you have a good, solid catcher, your team is set. When the Phillies won their World Series and they had that postseason run, Carlos Ruiz, he may have not have, he may not have put the most eye-popping numbers in terms of hitting, but defensively, Carlos Ruiz, Chooch, was a great defensive catcher for the Phillies. Sort of like how JT Rayamuto is now for the Phillies. The Phillies are set at the catcher position. And that is a position that does not really get talked about a lot. I would equate the catcher as like the offensive line on a football team. Or like the point guard, like the traditional point guard. Or even like the defensive anchor on a basketball team. That does not really give you a lot of eye-popping stats. They're not going to 
hit for the best average. Very rarely do you see a catcher have like the highest batting average and and hit the most home runs. But their impact defensively is shown. And according to baseball prospects, out of all the positions again, in 2016, there was 104 players who came to bat as catchers. This was in the MLB in 2016. 121 shortstops, 152 second basemen, 157 center fielders, 163rd base, 171st base, 206 right field, 241 left field. And the average plate appearances for backups by position, only 14. The average for a backup catcher was 14 plate appearances. If that doesn't show you how you need to have the importance of having that one solid, legit catcher, I don't know what else to tell you guys. But what do you guys think? Feel free to call into the station and voice your opinion. You can check out Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez on Instagram and on Twitter at Swoop Radio underscore. Give it a follow. Answer the polls that I'm going to be posting. Because what do you guys think is the toughest position to play in baseball? I mean, there's not a knock against outfielders because obviously playing the outfield is very tough. It's one of the hardest things to do is read a fly ball. I can tell you that because one day, one day it's right at you. The next second, it's one second. It's right in front of you. The next second, the wind takes it. And that's why I stick to second base and I ran the infield my way. But again, you can also check out Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on the Anchor app. All you have to do is search Swoop Radio. Stick around, guys, because I'm going to get into my top 10 NBA duos of all time. And just to give you guys a little prequel of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about 1970, 70s. I might even count Bill Russell. I might around that era to the current era. And there's probably going to be a couple guys that I'm going to leave off the list because I got to narrow down so many duos to 10. But stick around, guys. Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the second and final topic of today's Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez. Earlier, I talked about what is the toughest position to play in baseball. I really had to go with the catcher, guys. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. Feel free to call into the station. But for this topic, this next topic, it's going to be a little bit long, so bear with me, guys. But I've been doing digging up some research, and I've been looking up a lot of stats, and I really was I was really in the I was really intrigued by the duos in the NBA because that's one of the things with basketball unlike baseball baseball yeah you can have your duos but they're not as iconic as NBA du- duos like the Batman and Robin and so I looked at the history and I narrowed the top I, I narrowed hundreds of duos created top the top 100 duos created by Bleacher Report and NBA.com. And I narrowed it down to top to the top 10 duos of all time. Before I get into the top 10, I got to give you guys a lot of honorable mentions. 
because there's going to be some names that are going to be left off this list. And obviously, if you guys agree or disagree, feel free to call into the station and also message me and hit me up on social media at swoop radio underscore for both Twitter and Instagram. So some honorable mentions, Tim Duncan and David Robinson, obviously what they did in 1996 and 97 season, uh, Duncan and Robinson were literally a beast down low, dominated defensively and all and offensively. David Robinson is now officially a hall of famer and Tim Duncan isn't as was announced as a Hall of Famer this year, this summer. Tim Duncan's going to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. So those two guys, just want to give a quick honorable mention for them. Jerry West and Elgin Barreler. The reason why I don't give they don't rank higher on the list is because again, one title. These other guys mentioned ahead of them have a lot more. And my other honorable mention is Wilt Chamberlain and Al Greer. Again, to all my old heads listening, I understand you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Chamberlain and Greer, they spent three and a half seasons together. Uh, and they were the best seasons of Wilt Chamberlain's career. He led the league in points with 34 a night. And I, I completely get that. But they're, these other 10 are just, in my opinion, just better. So we're going to start with number 10. And that is Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. The reason why they are number 10 on this duo is because it's the Spurs. And obviously what Tim Duncan did with David Robinson was great in the beginning of his career. But the trio of Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker was amazing. So the reason why I have this duo of Parker and Duncan is because the Spurs and championships, they don't lie. When it comes down to it is, can you win rings? And the Spurs with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, they won four championships. They went to five NBA finals. And arguably, they should have won that fifth title if it wasn't for Ray Allen's jump shot. That was the iconic 2013 finals. Ginobili was great off the bench, but Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, they were the iconic one-two punch that led the Spurs' offensive attack. At number nine, Julius Irving and Moses Malone. They, they played, again, only four seasons together. A lot of these tandems that I've mentioned have only played four seasons with each other. But anyway, the tandem of Moses Malone and Julius Irving, they were, they were literally, they each won an MVP. And there's a stat in NBA history where when two MVPs join forces, they turn out to win a championship. Shaq and Kobe, um, Moses Malone, Julius Irving, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, just some other names to mention uh, there. So the 76ers, they went, they led the Sixers in 83 to a 65 and 17 record, obviously won a championship, and they lost a tough one to Magic Johnson in, I believe, 1980. Yes, I believe 1980. Yeah, around that time period. But the 76ers were dominant in that in that era. So now we got to move to number eight on the list, and that is Isaiah Thomas and Joe and Joe uh, Dumers. And they have one of the best backcourts ever in the NBA hardwood. They locked you up defensively. Thomas averaged better than 20 a night in his first two seasons. 
And uh, Dumars, he would average 24 a night. So you have two guards averaging over 20 a night and just dominating. And they also split two finals MVPs. They split the two finals MVPs. So one time Isaiah Thomas got it, the other time uh, Dumars got it. So they can lock you up defensively. They won multiple championships with each other. That's why they're ahead on the list. Number seven, John Stockton and Carl Malone. Obviously, John Stockton, the best number one person in assist in NBA history. No one could stop their pick and roll between Carl Malone and John Stockton. John, uh, Carl Malone is the number two scorer in NBA history. John Stockton, the best passer in NBA history. I mean, obviously, Magic Johnson was more flash. John Stockton, though, can get the ball anywhere, can really deliver. And he really started the age of that of the pick and roll and inspired a lot of guys like Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and, and now even modern-day era guards such as Stephen Curry and others. John Stockton was the perfect Robin, the Carl Malone. They just could never win a championship, and that's why they are seventh in my top ten. At number six, I got to go with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. The four seasons they spent with each other, four straight NBA Finals appearances. And, man, they they just dominated the court from start to finish. There was no stopping LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And uh, and uh, they they their loss to the Mavericks really hurt them. That's why they're lower on my on my list than these next five duos. Because when I show you my next five duos, you're going to be like, "Wow, I understand why." But LeBron James won two MVPs during this time. Prime LeBron was just scary. Uh, and then Dwayne Wade, obviously one of the best shooting guards of all time, and was the perfect complement player to LeBron James. And four straight finals appearances. If they could have won three, I would have I would have thought about putting them ahead of this next duo. But there's no I, I can't argue with these next five duos. At number five, I have Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Obviously, they three-peated. They won, they won three straight titles. They spent six seasons with each other. Shaq and Kobe was so dominant. They did lose to the Pistons in the finals. That's why I have them at five. But there's just there's just no stopping Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. I mean, I mean, now we do know that the NBA official did rig their conference finals against the Sacramento Kings. Because I know the ref one of the referees, but it was the referees' fault. It wasn't the league's fault. But anyway, taking that and you can take that out of consideration. Shaq averaged over 25 points per game. And was just dominant. They won 15 and 1 in the 2001 title run. So, and it, and it took a 48 output, 48 point performance from AI in order for the Sixers to beat them. That's how dominant they were. Next duo Bobby, Bobby Corsi and Bill Russell. These are my next two. Obviously, they won 11 titles. With, well, they, those two would combine to win six titles together. Bill Russell ended up winning 11. And obviously, they dominated this era of basketball. And they that was really start of a Celtics dominance. At number three, and everyone knows this duo, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. Obviously, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, they won three championships with each other. 
Larry, I, I wish that I was born and I and I was able to see them play because I would have loved to see 80s basketball with Magic and Larry Bird. They, those two guys just dominated the 80s. And I would have loved to see that game. I, I know I watched the, the ESPN 30 for 30 on the Lakers-Celtics rivalry, and that was great. It was just great to watch. But I wish I was actually able to see the game because Kevin McHale and Larry Bird were just a scary duo. And we got to also remember, this is how great this duo was. I know, obviously, they had other Hall of Fame players. I, I get th- I get that. But it took Michael Jordan to score 63, and they still lost the game. The Celtics dominated the Bulls early. They dominated MJ early in his career. They, they had those tough battles with the Carl Malone and Dr. J and, and the Sixers. They had tough battles against the yeah Michael Jordan. You also have the Bad Boy Pistons. Like The Eastern Conference was stacked, and Larry Bird and Kevin McHale topped that list during that decade but my next two my my next two duos just took it on another level and and really really just changed the game of basketball you guys probably know where I'm going uh for for number one but number two might surprise a lot of people and again just before I get to my final two I wanted to mention that if you guys agree or disagree with any of my duos and, and think I'm missing one, again, call into the station and reach out. I'm always ready for a debate. I love it. But number two, Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, obviously, the, the two duo, the, the duo just dominated. Uh, Kareem ended up winning six titles. He won one with the Bucks, five with the Lakers. Magic Johnson in his rookie season carried the team behind his back just injuries would hurt the duo later in their careers like pretty much anything but they they won five titles with each other and and the four and four of the five of the of the finals mvps were split up amongst the two superstars so each of the two superstars each won two finals mvps i know magic won his rookie year and kareem won a couple and then magic also won another one so that was my number two list and obviously they could arguably number one ahead of this duo but we all know with this next with this espn 30 for 30 coming up my number one duo of all time michael jordan and scotty pippen obviously just dominated the game of basketball completely changed the 90s and jordan was obviously he's the greatest basketball player of all time once he got scotty pippen it was a wrap. And I, I I will say Scottie Pippen was the perfect sidekick for Michael Jordan. And they just dominated the game of basketball. Like it's just it's really hard to explain. You just have to just watch the highlights. You have to watch. That's why I'm so excited for this documentary to come out. Cause it's really gonna give everyone a perspective and get a lot of people my age that grew up just watching LeBron a lot of just insight of like how dominant they really were, how dominant Michael Jordan was, was really, because I'm not one of the people that are going to say that's ever going to say LeBron James is the goat just out of respect for Michael Jordan and also other guys. But this duo, six championships, 
and just completely dominated. Two three-peats. Like, and Matt, Shaq and Kobe, you, all, well, you saw what it took for them to win three straight titles. Imagine doing, Imagine winning three straight twice. That's all I have to say. But I hope you guys have a wonderful day out there, guys. Tune in to Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Just search Swoop Radio with Josh Sanchez. Have a wonderful day, guys. Be safe. This is Josh signing off. Swoop!